The Thrivecast is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to helping accounting professionals save time and grow their practice. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor program, you can truly boost your efficiencies, collaborate with clients, and play a pivotal role in fueling their success. Follow the link in the show notes to find out more. So yes. you should want to work with our firm because in our firm, we give ping pong tables, fruit, <laughs> booze, and crackers to our team members. You mean you want me to be your client Yes, because of perks that you give to your employees? Yes. Because, yes. well, okay, yes. granted, that's, that's awesome. And can I come and play ping pong with your employees? Because I will destroy them at <laughs> no. ping pong, especially because I I'm not a big beer drinker. So I'm gonna get them drunk, and then I'm gonna and then I'm gonna bet them. <laughs> I will bet them like a, a, a review of my financial statements. It'll be like double or nothing. Either you do it for free, or I'll pay twice as much for my review uh, based on this ping pong game, drunkie. No. no, so we're no. not inviting clients to play ping pong. We're oh. just letting our clients know oh. our team members play ping pong for free. <laughs> then I don't care. Hey. I don't. <laughs> well, welcome to the Thrivecast. That's what we're talking about in the show. Mark has shared, and our guest is going to tell us why nobody, uh, no, none of your clients or leads want to know what you're doing for yourself and about who you are. No. They want you to answer their questions. Right. And that's what they want, Greg. Right. Cause we know, I mean, maybe if you're a first, if, if you're a first time listener to the Thrivecast, we apologize. Welcome, <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, welcome to the Thrivecast. It, no, it's, it's more, well, it's, and that's, I was going to say, it's more like we need to apologize to the people who are like, who are, who religiously listen to this. Cause this is going to be in, in a way that, well, and actually this is what we were talking about just a second ago. In a way, this is, this podcast is going to be familiar territory. It's content marketing. It's yeah. figuring out how to get inbound yeah, uh, you know, people sure. come to you because they want your services specifically. Cause we're going to talk about that again. So we've been there before, but Marcus Sheridan's got a really good program and a really cool spin on how to do that. And, and I'm going to say it's a, it's kind of a big balls spin too on this. Because <laughs> No, seriously, he's doing stuff that people are scared to do. They're like, Oh, you're not supposed to talk about that in a blog post. That's and right. He's like, you absolutely need to talk about that in a blog but, post. But I want to, I want to hear what his story was. Cause his story in the 2008 crash is he had a pool company yeah, yeah. that does pools. Right. Yeah. And, they were like, man, sitting pretty, and they, they went down the toilet. And right. he tried to figure out, and their partners tried to figure out, how are we going to get people to like us? And what he started doing is just answering their questions. He started answering the client's questions, which is basically right. rebutting the point that your website saying all the things it says about you and your team and those cool gifts that you put on your team page and <laughs> that they like to go hiking and that one of them likes brownies. Right. Uh, it's all ancillary stuff and it's fine, but that they are not coming to your website for that. It's fun on a team page, but they're not right. coming for that. They're coming for right. you 
to help them and to answer their questions. And you know what I think, Greg? Uh-huh. The clients don't even know the questions they want to ask. You have to know the client's question to answer them because they don't even often know what questions to ask you to solve for them. I believe that's right. what an advisor does. Right. That's a that's a great point because I, I mean, how many times have you been trying uh, like like researching something and going to a knowledgeable person and they'll say, oh, and also this blah blah blah, and you go, ooh, I didn't think about that, but that's right. very important. And then and then all of a sudden you go, oh, this guy's this guy's got it figured out. So uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's do that. That's yeah. right. Well, one thing we didn't do so far on the Thrivecast is talk about our announcements, which we basically have the Thrival Incubator. Is that, that used to be a live program. It's now, we do have a live option, and it's virtual now, too. Uh-huh. So come cool. on. You can cool. go to Thrival.com slash incubator, and you can join the incubator about, you know, the, the live one, of course, we're going to have social distancing and stuff like that and little sticks to hold out in front of you. So nobody gets closer than the length of the six foot stick. Wait, so, so there's, so <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so in there, so you've got a virtual incubator yeah. and a, and a live incubator. Yeah. The live one together. Later. Yeah. You got, you got like, you know, surgical gowns and little boobies <laughs> for your feet. Yeah. And and uh, there, and if, if you and, and wait, is with rival <laughs> <laughs> and like a little like everybody who registers now gets like a free like asthma inhaler. <laughs> and is that I, no? Yeah, we're no? we're we're now sponsored right. by a pharmaceutical company <laughs> by um, Ventolin inhalers. <laughs> Vent, Ventolin inhalers, your trusted resource for asthma medicine for twenty years. Ventolin inhalers. Breathe easy. <laughs> it's pretty good. Okay, so we got to get back to how to do marketing. Well, and wait, no, don't get back to that yet. Yeah. No, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Two things we got to talk about first. Oh. Uh, if, if anybody who wants to join, right now it's important to join Thrival because everybody's oh, yes. Yes. Di- like, everybody's yes. doesn't have a damn clue what's going to happen <laughs> at, at, with the pandemic and with businesses opening and can they open and will they be shut down yeah. again? How do you navigate that? What's the right strategy? Thrival's a great place if you're a CPA firm, any kind of accounting firm owner. Yeah. Uh, right now, might seem counterintuitive. You might want to try to tighten the belt and not uh, not pay for stuff, but this might be the perfect time to invest in things like Thrival to help oh. you get that strategy. And grow. Jason, tell me, aren't there some there's some discounts going on right now? Which yeah. is like, which is not. I think this is the first time in Thrival history there's been like. Discounts, discounts, like, <laughs> yeah. like well, Groupons. There's a Groupon for Thrive. <laughs> that would have been cool. Well, what we're seeing <laughs> is the, the community is coming so close together, and the, our, the Thrival community has always been very close, anyway, which is which is common right. for them. But during this, especially, you know, when we're recording this, you know, we're kind of coming out of PPP season, which has been. Right. Nutballs, man! It has been insane. Crazy. It has been blowing people's minds. It's just crazy. It's been upsetting people, and so the the community came really close together. And we're like, you know, there's other people out there that need this community. These people that are already in Thrival, and we're doing we're doing community roundtables together monthly, just to all come together as the Thrival community and work through our issues. And you need to be with these smart people, and so. That's why we're doing it. We're letting people know for three months, instead of 145 membership, it's 95. And we want you to come join us at thrival.com slash apply. Yeah. And if you, you need it, a community. 
You do. And, and, and it's not just, I mean, obviously it's business support, business strategy, but there's also like just emotional support too, where oh, people are like, Oh my God, I'm going out of my damn mind. I don't know yeah. what's going to happen. I'm, <laughs> stre- I'm stressed to, you know, to, yes. you know, way past the red yeah. and people, and you can, you can, we, uh, in the community, you can talk each other down and you can That's give right. each other, ground each other, help you plant your feet on the ground to, to navigate this weird, weird time that we're yeah. in right now. So uh, go ahead and email info at thrival.com. If you got any questions about the discounts, if you'd like to join thrival, that's a great place to get any thrival questions answered is just uh, info at thrival.com. Also, you're still doing your Facebook live stuff, right? On Mondays. Yes. Yeah. Cause yeah. you can do, you can do that without other humans. That's right. Yeah. So and we can so, do that without other humans. So, so if, if you got a question you want Jason to answer, also send that to info at thrival.com. Come on. Throw in, throw in a question. Jason's going to answer uh, select questions Mondays uh, in the afternoons, depending on where you're at in the country on Facebook. And then all those videos are saved and, and shared and put on LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff. So if you want to see past ones, go check those out. Come on. Come on. Okay. Yeah. So, so, okay. So the book, mm-hmm. they ask you answer by Marcus Sheridan. He's got seven key benefits in this book. And we, you and I can't get through seven stuff for can't, no. 30 minutes. You and I barely get through. We, we can't, can't squat through one and a half things. Yeah, I know. I'm saying three and a half if we're on our game. <laughs> if we're on our game, man. Yeah. But, but it's funny because with his, with his whole program, the huge thing that he's about. So, so Marcus, Marcus Sheridan, he, uh, he is, he's a guru when it comes to getting people to come seek you out to, because they want your business, not instead of you going out and trying to get them, them coming to you. And his whole thing is answering questions, which is funny because that's, is, is the, is the, would you say the Facebook live thing where you take questions is, is kind of you doing that or is it different Yeah, because it's, yes. I, yeah. Well, you, yeah. Everybody, anybody that follows us or follows me knows that I produce tons of content, tons, tons yeah. of content, videos, webinars, eBooks. And yeah, all that's meant to show people that, Hey, there's, there's a lot of substance behind the things we teach because that's what I study. That's part that's my job is to study things and write things and teach those things. So the production of that content just proves that that's what you'll get. If you come in here, if you come into this company and work with us, uh, it's, is wisdom. And I, and I think producing content, is just a display that you, you know, things, I guess it's a display of your wisdom. Is that what it's meant to mean? I think, I mean, everything that, that I, in terms of justification for content marketing is, is it sets you up as an expert in your field. So yes. if you're out there creating content, you are, you are a thought leader. You are, you're, you're displaying your expertise for the world. That's and right. that's, that's what, that's what it is. And so, and, and then with that, I think it's really interesting. So he, again, his thing for creating this content is you, you answer the questions. And if you've been in your business for more than two days Mm. trying to get customers, you know what their questions are about the product or service that you sell. And his thing is brainstorm every question that a customer has ever asked you. And, and every single question, that's a blog post. That's a, that's, that's a piece of content, whether it's a blog post, a video, uh, a podcast, 
whatever it is. Every, every question is that, and that that's a, it's a great, easy starting point because you can brainstorm questions and, and then get through that list and keep adding to it as you go. Oh yeah. They also asked this, or I just had a meeting the other day and somebody asked me this and we haven't addressed that yet. Let's yeah. answer that question. Yeah. And that's, that's how you create the content. Yeah. And it's so it what's cool is one of his, this, one of these first key benefits that we, we have here is producing the content forces you to understand your buyers. So so right. the thing you're just talking about, this brainstorming is you're not brainstorming, right? How, what kind of beer to put in the refrigerator for your team, right? Or, or do they like wheat crackers or those cheap orange ones? I like right. that right. With, that, with that cream stuff in there that's uh-huh. cheese in quotes, right? right? That's right. the kind of crackers I want to put in the, in right. the team break room. Car- Carl bar- brought an awesome beef stroganoff to the potluck. <laughs> Let's get his recipe and put Wait. it on the blog. Come on. <laughs> Cause our clients will, <laughs> clients will love Carl. Cause you know what they're asking? If they're so, they're saying stroganoff. What have my CPAs eaten? That's, that's right. a, that's what a big question make for the firm. <laughs> before, before, before I give you my business, just one last question. Tell me about your diet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's funny. You and I interviewed somebody yeah. I don't know, years ago. Yeah. And they, and they okay. said, here's one thing you don't need to do is put recipes on your accounting blog. Yeah. That was, and, and, That's and we were like incredulous. We were like, no, people no. aren't putting not recipes happening. and they were like, you don't even know all the time. There's <laughs> recipes for brownies on an accounting blog. And it's right. like, goodness. Cause right. they ran out of ideas. They're, they're floundering for ideas. So big. And here's something, this is something that, that, that was in that same article that we read just before the actual seven steps is mm. he talks about what the five big questions are. Did you, did you see this part? The five big yeah. questions that drive the most traffic and the number one is pricing and cost. How, cause, cause that's how many times is of that? The question? How much is this going to cost? Yes. Me? And that's what I'm saying. Where typically that's taboo. Don't don't pull down your pants and show people how much it's going to cost. Because 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 you you knew I've told I've said this before on the podcast. I used to sell cars for six months. I sold uh, I sold cars. I sold cars. Yeah, new new and used. Thank oh, you. Sorry, new but, and used. Yeah, uh, but but I don't my, put you I'll in that you. category of the used car seller. <laughs> But the uh, but my boss, my manager, man, he would beat us down <laughs> if we talked about prices. No, 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 because they have wow. the they have the MSRP listed on the car. You can see mm. that without talking to a salesman. But they would be like, "Don't tell, don't talk about pricing at all without running it by me first. Because they're like, as soon as you if you tell somebody a price that he's this is what they'd say. They say it's a roadmap for them going somewhere else and getting it cheaper. Is what he said. Okay. Which, which, and that's what Marcus Sheridan is saying. Those very taboo things. And one of uh-huh. those five, he says, is pricing and cost. Um, right. Those are the things you actually talk about. So he's saying, be vulnerable. Content. Okay. And this this whole show is about content production in marketing, right? So yeah. that's what we're talking about. And that yep. content supposedly produces inbound leads. It attracts people to you. He's talking about how he's saying be vulnerable and you do talk about price. Now, what we would probably talk about is value. We would talk more about the value uh, and why our prices are justified by the value you're going to get. Now, that's a vulnerable place to put yourself in as a firm 
is answering the client's question and actually claiming that you are valuable. And, yeah. and your price is a great way to set yourself apart as, mm-hmm. as valuable, right? When a client comes to us and we're 10 times what the last firm was, <laughs> they have questions. Yeah, The absolutely. client's like, huh? You need, to, you need to walk me through that justification. Right. We're like, I'm glad you asked. That's what they need to be asking us, and that's what we need to be answering. Right. And, I mean, as we know, price is a, it's a, it's an indicator, well, is it an indicator of value? I, it is yes. an indicator of value. Whether or not that's, that's accurate yes. is true, because I'll tell you what, my buddy, he'll, he'll get some really, really expensive scotch every now and then, and I'll drink and I'll go, this tastes just like the cheap, cheap, cheap stuff that I buy. <laughs> Uh, so, so, but but it's an indicator, but you kind of go, if it's super expensive, it should be, I I should be getting some, and then you're right. The next question is how is this more valuable than the, than the cheap guy? Um, so, yeah. So, so that's his first point that when you start focusing on producing content, it's going to force you into a, a place where you start learning your buyers better, which mm-hmm. which you were saying earlier, Greg, brainstorming all of the questions yeah. they come up with. And Marcus Sheridan even said in that article, he, him and his team, when they're out selling, if they hear a question from a client they've never heard before, bam, it goes on a list. That's going to become a blog yeah. post. And he, he said, not just just a small blog post, a long form. They're going to put out some major content because if they hear one question from a customer, they're going to produce the content so that right. they can point to any piece of content on their on their um, their website that answers any question potentially a lead may be asking. Right. The other amazing to, and to circle back around to price just one last time. The other thing about putting your price out there is if it's too high and you've got price sensitive customers, you have put you have potential clients who are price sensitive, they may opt out and, and you just saved yourself a lot of time. Right. And, and and like brain damage, because if you bring in, if you're, if if you're giving value that should be compensated through a high price at which it should, and you bring in a customer who's super price sensitive about that, you're going to be, you're going to be, end up making them mad. You're going to get frustrated yourself when yeah. really, hopefully, they'll just go, oh, I, these guys are out of my league. This price isn't what I'm what, – and there's customers like that, and that's fine. Those guys can go and, and you know, go to H&R Block business, and <laughs> they'll get the, the full H&R Block experience. <laughs> Read about it in my blog post in Thrival.com. <laughs> now, now, but here's the point you're making. You're, you're, making, you're making a very good point um, in that – <laughs> what was the point you, you just tried to me? If, if people get, if, if your price is too high and people are yeah, like, ah, it's too high, yeah, I can't go there. Point. That's like, we're not a good match. Yeah. yeah. Here's my point. Okay. Pr- content production is a weeding mechanism around yeah. your market. And people don't realize that. So content production is not, I forgot, but this right. is great. It was a great point. I'm glad you reminded me. <laughs> content production weeds through your market and it says, yeah. We are for some of you, and we are not for right. our, now. Tim Williams, you know, in his book, our friend, positioning for professionals, he would say your positioning through this content marketing has to be polarizing. So it yeah. is yeah. meant to be a weeding mechanism. You're supposed to state 
very strongly your opinions, no mm-hmm. fence writing. You're supposed to be yep. on the fence or off the fence and, and just saying the things you are saying with, you know, with conviction. And you're right. Some people are going to read that and go, I do not want to work with a firm like that. And that's exactly what's meant to happen. As right. long as your content is produced and targeted to the clients you do want to serve and mm-hmm. they are saying yes mm-hmm. when they read the content you're putting out. Now, that's a key. Right. Right. So, like, let's say you're starting, you, okay, you're here in the podcast. You're like, all right, I'm going to start being polarizing, like Jason and Greg said, and you lose all of your clients. Right. We're telling you, you might be speaking to the wrong people. That's why Marcus Sheridan says you have to study and understand yeah, your buyer, your exactly. ideal client. Yeah. Well, and with that, and again, with it, when answering these questions, you get to know your customer better. It's that whole thing where it's like, you learn something. If you have to teach a subject, you learn it a hundred times more than if you just went to the webinar or the class about that subject. It's the same thing here, don't you? Don't you think? Because oh, we've ex- yeah. we've experienced that. You and me, we do. We teach oh. about stuff that we didn't. We people are like, can you teach on this? And we're like, sure. And then we're like, oh, I don't know anything about it. I better <laughs> learn. And then, and then no, nobody who comes and listens to me learns a fraction of what I learned getting ready to teach it. So it's the same same thing here. It's the exact same thing here. That's right. So, so producing content means you got to study the content and know uh, it really well. And, and another one of his points, which, which I wouldn't have thought about, but the content you produce is a definitive guide for the training. Yeah. Messaging, the things you start teaching your team, you can say, Hey, welcome to the team. Uh, who did you say, Scott, earlier? Who? No, no. who made this beef stroganoff? Who was Carl? That was Carl, yeah. Oh, Carl. Okay, sorry. Carl. I called. I always call Carl Scott. That's, that's all right. I mean, he, looked, he looks like that old Scott. I know. Okay, so, <laughs> so when I'm talking to Carl, it's like, Carl, you've been here a couple weeks. So we've got seven blog posts that explain mm-hmm. the, the solid seven principles that we teach all of our clients they need to know before they work with us. So go over there and read those. And then we're going to have seven meetings over seven weeks and talk about it. That right. that's training. And you've already produced the content for the client exactly. that now Scott, um, Carl, mm-hmm. Carl can you, understand. Som- sometimes we call him the new Scott. Okay. So, but so, he hates being called. He, he does. It bugs the hell out of him. Carl. He's but, like, <laughs> I brought the beef struggling up and I get called the new Scott. Yeah. What's he up? He got fired because he brought that other stuff. Right. Crystal meth. Now, um, the, the thing is, is that, uh, so, you know, I used to be a middle school teacher and I had, I had a, I worked close. I was a math teacher. I worked closely (laughs) with the, with an English teacher who was amazing. Her name was Jean McFerrin. Wonderful, wonderful English Mm -hmm. teacher here in the Provo, in the Provo school district. Um, one of the things that she said that stuck with me is she said that writing is thinking. And I was like, that's, it it is, it's wonderful because that's the other thing when you answer your, and I think, and this is, this is one of his points as well, is that uh, producing content is a downright magical process for sales messaging. And what what I think he's saying there, what I'm (laughs) assuming he's saying there is, is like, you'll get, you'll, somebody will ask you a question in a conversation and you'll, you'll, 
you know, and whether or not you have an awesome answer, you're going to give them whatever answer. But when you actually have to write it down so it makes sense to you written out, and so it makes sense to other people when they read it written out, all of a sudden you go, oh, shoot, I would always think this, but there, but here's a problem with that thinking is this, so I better figure out how to close that gap. And all of a sudden, your answer just became way better because writing is thinking and it forced you to think through the logic of what's going on in your brain when you typically answer these questions. Well, do you and I know that we write blog posts yeah. and by the time we're done with a blog post, it, it's different than how we started because we'll start it not knowing as much, right. but knowing generally how we yeah. want to do it. And yeah. we go and we add a couple paragraphs. We didn't know we were going to add. Exactly. And this is weird. I said this to our team the other day, we were in our virtual team meeting and we were talking about, our online office chat system where we all talk back and forth and we're talking about best ways to use it. And I said to him, I said, I think us being forced to write these long form answers to the questions we're speaking to each other back and forth. I think it makes us smarter. I think we are a smarter firm because we're just in a situation virtually where the way we talk to each other, except in our team meetings is, is through the written form. And so we're always having to make paragraphs, bold this, italicize words. These decisions you're making, these are the things you're doing to say to, say to another human, this is important. I want you to, to read this. So I believe writing and producing content does make you better. Now, Greg, let me ask you this. If you're uh-huh. writing, you get to be alone in a room and think through it. What about a webinar or a video where it's live? Now it's still coming from your mind. It's written, uh, and you know what do you do when you stumble? That is content production. Doing video and a lot of accountants, you know, probably shouldn't be in front of a camera, but they, <laughs> we would say they should. Uh-huh. Uh, our official yeah. position is that you should be in front of a camera. Yeah, absolutely. But we're saying I, we know you need to kind of lose some of that well, that tie, maybe. Well, you know, well here's the thing. It, I mean. It, I, I think tying back around, I, I haven't seen, you know, maybe it's because my head's been kind of up my butt for a while, but I haven't seen, <laughs> it seemed like for a while there, people were talking all the time about how accountants need better soft skills. And it, and I've, I haven't seen that discussion be as prominent lately, oh, but I think all of this stuff is soft skills. When you're having a face-to-face with a client, that's a soft skill. When you're writing a blog post that makes sense and that is persuasive and powerful, that's a soft skill. Creating a video, doing a webinar with a presence that's engaging, that's a soft skill. Those are all very powerful things. And I would say that like doing a webinar and getting good at it is one of those things that you... that you can't create just by pretend. I mean, I guess you can maybe tighten it up a little better by pretending to do it in the bathroom in the mirror to yourself ahead of time, but you're not really going to get the chops until you actually do a webinar or create a video. And then you go, okay, now I've got some experience. Let's do another one. And then you do another one. You're a little bit better and you're a little bit better. And eventually you get amazing at it. And that's that. I mean, it's kind of, it's the same thing. I tell people who want to do stand up comedy. You Mm. can't, the only teacher for stand up is getting up on stage and doing it. I think it's the same thing with presentations where you're, you know, where, where you do, yeah, a video webinar or, or even a face-to-face sales things. You're not, you're going to suck at it till you, 
until you stop sucking at it, but you okay. got well, to keep trying it. Well, the principle you're saying to content production, which is you know what attracts the right market to you, is that it is a skill you have to practice and you will get better at over time. What led us down that road is talking about writing and how that makes you better. And mm-hmm. like, I can't even imagine putting myself on a list in a bar to say, I'm going to be one of the stand-up comedians. Like, there's no amount of fear I can even imagine walking on that stage and knowing the immediate result is I have to be really, really funny. And uh, if they laugh, we're good. But see, I bet it's not totally that mentally when you're doing it, but that is such a fearful thing. But if I did it, as long as you've done it, you're like, I've had good, I've had bad ups and downs. I've weaved in and out. I've got, I've, I've recovered a show right in the middle of yeah. it going down the toilet. And so you have all these skills. So with all that behind you, you're freely walking onto a stage, whereas the first time, I don't know, you must have yeah. messed your pants. I would, imagine you did. I was pretty, I was pretty nervous that first <laughs> time. But, but here's here's the thing that comes to my mind. What you're saying too is, again, with stand up, I, I guess I it's easier to to use that as something that I've seen repeatedly over and over and over yeah. again. But I think it'd be the same thing for for giving these kind of you know, webinars or any kind of live presentation or like you know tapes presentation yeah. is is that there are people who I see them when they very first start doing because I've been doing stand up for this is my eight. I, I'm, I'm pushing 18 years. I've been doing stand-up oh comedy. So, so I'm like, I, I want to say I'm, I'm one of the grandfathers of Utah comedy. I'm kind of an elder statesman yes. of the community, but it's weird how many people that I know in, there's very few who are doing stand-up right now who I can't say, I remember when you first started and I'll, there's a lot of people I go, you were horrible you Mm. were so like there's this one guy who i would like i remember seeing him twice and just going dude find a new hobby (laughs) you're you're you are like actively making everyone uncomfortable (laughs) with what you're doing and and he stayed with it and he he and actually he got so good he moved to la and he's doing it full-time now no way yeah that he went from being just a toilet monster <laughs> to being to being really really good. So well, uh, so well, it can happen. But but it wouldn't have happened if he didn't stay with it. He stuck with it and figured out his voice and how to make it happen. And he's well, great now. Well, so. I think, and and maybe the last point is before we get Marcus shared it on is I think uh, one of his last points was uh, this great content production produces a lot of trust and. Trust inserted into a sales cycle makes those sales cycles much shorter. And mm-hmm. we're talking about how to do it, which is, y'all, this is practice. I'm sorry. There's not an easy way around content production. I mean, mm-hmm. you, it, it took Tony Robbins, I don't know how many years, 30, 40 years to become the phenom that yeah. he is. He went, he, his first motivational gig, he <laughs> probably sucked so bad there was no videos available probably he's old i would love to see that but now you trust him when you go to his motivational yeah seminars at at first people would leave going i'm less motivated now i actually (laughs) i just need a nap i think and now (laughs) so you gotta you gotta commit to this process of content and so the way we do it is we put it on my calendar there's there's a there's there's about eight to ten hours a week on my calendar that are blocked off where I produce content yep, and it's just part of my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm better at it. I'm more efficient at producing it. I'm more efficient at the titles, the outlines and all of that comes 
Uh, and you know that, Greg. You you prep for uh, stand up comedy in ways mm-hmm. you just you. There's just a process to prep for that. Uh, there's a yep. process to capture jokes and thoughts and to let them run. However, you do that, I don't yep. know. And and you're exactly right. If you don't block off time to do it, it doesn't yeah. get done. And that's that's very simple. And with the and I think that's a good way too with what we're saying because because uh, I do believe we got through exactly three and a half of these seven points. Uh, <laughs> okay. And the, the trust See? being the one that we got through half. But if okay. you're but, but just going back around to the vulnerability, yeah. if you're talking about because because pricing talking about your pricing feels incredibly vulnerable. It talking does. about problems people have yeah. with whatever you know, what, whatever you're selling or, or giving, that's incredibly yep. vulnerable, but the more vulnerable you are, that's what increases the trust where people are like, ah, this guy's not just giving me some BS sales hype. This is for real. And yep. with that trust, they'll come in and go, okay, there's going to be problems wherever I go, but at least this guy's going to be shooting me straight. And that's invaluable. It is. All right. So y'all go out there and start the process of producing content over the next 10 years. Come yeah, on. But not yet. Wait for about 30 minutes because we got to we gotta interview right. Marcus real quick. Yeah. And, he's, and I can't wait to hear, because like I said, we just barely, I feel like we dipped our toe into the stuff he does. And it'll be great to hear uh, him kind of give us a more robust picture of, of all the stuff that he does. Okay. Okay, new Scott. That's what I call Marcus now, the new Scott. <laughs> Let's get you on the horn. Hey, hey, this is Jason Blummer, and we want to thank our sponsor, Bill.com, a platform we've been using for many years to run our firm's own virtual AP and AR experience for our clients, too. And as is common with Bill.com, they've raised the bar on AP innovation again, and they have a new AI-enabled platform. It offers a sweet new user experience. You'll see it's redesigned, easier to find buttons, more compact. And of course, they got international payments. We love Bill.com. Bill.com, thanks for sponsoring the Thrivecast. Okay, we're back with Marcus Sheridan, Greg, so we can have our, all of our thoughts on content production uh, made accurate i don't know so so all the places you have wet the bed is now about to come out so marcus thank you for being here and showing us where we have wet our britches uh Mm -hmm. we really appreciate you coming so um so marcus let's just get cranking we we saw your book um you know it's it's got a great story behind it they ask you answer a great spin I don't know if it's a spin, but a great focus on content production for clients. So, yeah, I would say I would say just to just to emphasize that point. Really, what it is, it's a business framework and philosophy. Right? Okay, philosophy philosophy nice. by which you communicate with the world and with the marketplace, right? And when you look at it from that, because That's the cool. reason why a lot of um, we'll call it um, content programs don't last is because they're just that they're a program and they're viewed as a marketing initiative. And I learned a long time ago, if you want to get something improved in business, you call it sales. If you want to get it uh, delayed or cut, you call it marketing. Right. And so (laughs) that's why, that's why I'm not a fan of really using even the phrase content marketing so much, because I think we have to, um, communicate the you know the biggest issue that that i see for businesses when it comes to this subject is and people i get this email all the time yeah it's marketers that are emailing me saying i'm frustrated because i get it 
but my boss doesn't get it. Yeah, yeah. Sales manager doesn't get it. Yeah. And I'm ready to leave the organization, Marcus, because I'm just I can't do this anymore. And so buy-in is the number one problem that marketers have all over the world. And the only way you're going to start to get buy-in is if you start or if you stop talking like a marketer and start talking like a business owner or a sales manager. And if you mm-hmm. talk like that, you might, might just start to get the buy-in and resonate with the rest of the team. And that's why you call it a business philosophy because it, yes. it's, a, it's a belief system around how you serve people, I guess. Is that, is that yeah. a good so summary? It's like this. If I said to you, Jason, do you think trust is going to be fundamental to your business 20 years from now? What would you say? Oh, of course, right? Yeah, yeah, obviously. If I said to most CEOs, though, if I said to most CEOs, do you think content marketing is going to be fundamental to your business in 20 years? They're going to They'd unsubscribe. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, I'm not feeling you, bro. I'm not feeling yeah. you there. This is, this is one little example of it. If I say to somebody, do you think teaching and answering your customers' questions is going to be fundamental to your business in 20 yeah. years? Everybody's yeah. going to say yes. Yeah. yeah. I say, is content marketing going to be fundamental? Okay, so it's got okay. So in our world, we label stuff, yes. and labels mean things. That's part of the perception. Words matter. You're saying that label has been abused. It's a wrong label, or you just don't like it. It doesn't mean what it's what it means to you. That is maybe to Marcus Sheridan in the book, it means something different. Yeah, really. Just uh, overall, I think it lessens, um, it weakens the the movement okay. of of doing business. Um, differently. And that's also the reason why the book has more than just a marketing side to it. There's this whole sales side to it. Mm. And then of course, with the revised version, there's even more sections to it, right? Because it, you know, if you had come to me, Jason, let's say seven years ago, when I started really talking a lot about the ask you answer, I would have said, yeah, it's a blogging strategy, right? Uh, And that would have been, um, that would have been pretty dumb in hindsight, I realize what it has become, and it's definitely a framework for businesses. It's a different philosophy, a different mindset. And when you have that type of philosophy, you don't have to debate on things like, I don't know if we can talk about that on the website. You're like, no. Did they ask the question? Well, yeah, they asked the question, but no, 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 no buts. No buts. <laughs> they asked the right. question, Talk and lots it. of them are asking it. So if they're asking it, we're sure set going to own the conversation because somebody's going to own it. It may as well be us, right? Okay. So, so is the mm, better. So it sounds like stuff. the better framework that you're saying is instead of thinking about this, because that's, I think because obviously you you know your stuff and you're absolutely right. People are like I need to start a blog and I need to have a <laughs> blogging strategy and I need to have a, an editorial calendar yeah. and I need to do all this stuff. When really the the a better way of thinking about it is it seems like is to go. How do I start getting inbound sales calls? And that's is that the right way to say it? Is With this the right is, customers? I guess. Yeah, that's that's one of the ways, right? I mean, it's like you know, I, I look at it like um, if I could go back in history and time and find the person that used the word blog and uh-huh. beat them. With a spoon. <laughs> I would. I would. Yeah, because, because once again, we really screwed it up on that one, right? So so it's like, I don't tell people, do you have a blog, right? In fact, today I call it a learning center. Yeah, right? okay. We need to have learning centers on our site where we can have all of our questions, fears, worries, issues, concerns 
addressed in the way we would like to have them addressed through text, through video, through that calculator on your website, yeah. right? Through that configurator, through that um, self-selection tool, whatever that thing is, but it's got to be on my terms. See, that's the other thing about the ask you answer. It's not just, hey, answer all the questions that you've gotten from customers on your website. It goes so far beyond that. It's how do they want to learn and how do they want to buy? That's the because customer you're asking. Those that's, that's, that's it. How do they want to learn how they want to buy? Because I might answer all their questions, but yet if I don't evolve the way that I sell to meet today's um, buyer's evolution, well, then I'm still screwed. I'm in trouble. I'm behind the marketplace. This is prolific in a lot of industries, certainly in accounting. Mm-hmm. Right and oh, yeah. many yeah. others because we there's there's this mindset of you know I want to do it the way it's always been done this is what's worked for us this is the way mommy and daddy did it and so this is the way I'm going to do it. all those things they inherently lead to you becoming a rule follower in other words somebody else in your industry is going to make the new rules of the space and you're going to have to follow along and that's how it works over and over and over again right. So, and- and we've got to be at an inflection point, too, in terms of how people do learn and buy because of everything that's going on with this pandemic. It's, you know, it's, it's yeah. weird to see commercials on TV from car dealerships saying, uh, you know, if you need a car and you don't want to interact with anybody, just buy it online and we'll drop it off at your house. It's like, what? How has that <laughs> ever been part of, like, the car buying experience? But apparently that's a thing now. Well, it is when you eliminate fear and you mitigate risk, you can do things that you never dreamt possible. Yeah. And I even, I even just yesterday, I was talking about this online, how uh-huh. I literally, because nobody could answer me, tell me one thing at this point that couldn't be sold virtually. In mm. other words, tell me one thing that has to be sold face-to-face nose-to-nose in real life. And because, you're talking you know, about the sales process, right? Just that's right. Sales, yeah, just not the, the delivery process. side. Right. Not the delivery, but the actual yeah. sales I, process. Right, because mm. I would say deep tissue massage, but then you're saying that's not. You're not right. right. Yeah, okay. Right, like, like, right. I, I can't because you can I, sell it. You can't. You can't actually do right. a deep tissue massage yeah. from right. uh, over the internet. But that's what we I'm can, saying. But I can sell you a package of deep tissue massages on my website, of course, yeah. and tell you all about the benefits and answer all your questions. And you're going to be like, and, but I, but do I have to be naked? And you're like, yes, you do. And right. then that's the, those are the right, of course. questions that you answer. Right, right. This is, so, so, but this is the mindset that we've got to have. You know, for years, let me give you an example of this. For years, um, I think probably for like at least two years, I've been telling my sales team at my swimming pool company, mm-hmm. hey, why don't we sell through video instead of going to every homeowner's home mm-hmm. to sell a pool? Mm-hmm. Like, well, Marcus, that's just the way we do it in the industry. It's like we go to their home, we give them a quote, they get a couple more quotes, and eventually they decide on a pool guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm like, well, that's dumb. And it's inefficient. <laughs> and I don't understand why we do it. And I did it for years. And I thought it was dumb then, but now we have the t- t- technology to prevent it. And everybody pushed back. And all of a sudden, COVID-19 happens. And lo and behold, we start to do virtual sales appointments that week. That yeah. week. And here's what's to. crazy. Here's what's crazy, guys. Okay. We started virtual sales appointments that week. And we overcame 
what was always the biggest obstacle. The biggest obstacle was we need to see their backyard. Yeah, right, we sure. have to see yeah. their backyard. Yeah. Right. We created a video that teaches homeowners how to take photos of their backyard exactly as a designer would need to see the yard so as wow. to be able to tell them how the design is going to work if, like, let's say a retaining wall would be needed or something right. like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so as soon as we did that, that opened up this beautiful suite of opportunity that we didn't have before. Last month, we far and away broke our records for most sales in one month, this during COVID-19, for in-ground swimming pools. And that's in many ways because of the fact that we had wow. more sales appointments than we've ever had. Now, let me ask you this, Marcus. Should you have done done that earlier like is that what you yeah that was dumb jason it was (laughs) yeah it was because we were reactive now Uh, the beauty is we're still more proactive than the majority of these other people that are just saying no i'm just gonna wait till things open up and i'll go to their house that's dumb that doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. and so it's like as a business we have to wait uh, we have to do whatever we have to do right now to adjust to the marketplace and I know, like, just me personally, over the last uh, last six, seven weeks, you know, I just have consulted with so many companies that have said, okay, Marcus, we're moving to the virtual. Mm. I, I, the classic quote here, this was one of the most most classic that I've ever heard. Um, a, a CEO for a large wealth management company mm. contacted me and said, Marcus, my entire sales team finally realized that you don't have to close deals on a golf course. Hmm. That's because important to know. Moved to virtual. <laughs> wow. So they thought, right? This is the classic industry of it's a relationship based yeah. industry. Yeah. It's all relationships. <laughs> and that's if you're going to give somebody your entire life savings to manage, you can only close that type of deal on a golf course. Yeah. Right. Or or if you yeah. get five million or more from that that those taxpayers, right? You got to close that on a golf course, right? <laughs> it, it, right, right. It's, so and you're it's just, just challenging all of the uh, all these assumptions. It basically sounds like you're saying we all have to always be challenging all of our assumptions. COVID is just an example right. of market disruptions and tweaks and changes we are all going to always go through through the rest of our career yeah. from all, now on. All COVID has done. It's made yeah. people say. Yeah, but can I do it this way? Uh, do I have to have a salesperson in my there house right now? Okay. Yeah. Uh, is it possible that we could do this online first or right. virtually, right? We're asking uh, the right questions now. All these things, is, this is, but it goes back to what are buyers thinking, fearing, right. asking, asking, doubting, yeah. and can we address those? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you got to think there's still going to be some people who are like, I really, I, I'm not going to give this guy my money unless we play a round of golf together. And that's fine. That's and you fine. need to know that. And there's probably some pool, uh, pe- pe- you know, people want to pool in their house. who are like, I need the guy to come out and look at this because my backyard's weird. And you're like, no, you can take pictures of it, but you don't understand. And it's like, but we do, we do this all the time. But they're like, no, no, no. And then you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. fine. You're, and that's we'll, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you with a mask in nine months. You know, that well, kind it's of a thing. good point, Greg, because. People say, but 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 what about yeah? But what about the outliers? Yeah, right. They're still there's that's fine. Yeah, if, even if fifty percent of the deals still have to happen in real life, is have we gained something? Right. Oh my gosh, man! Yeah. Right. I mean, no. well, well, Jason, 
Jason won't let people work with him if they if they won't do if they won't like scan stuff and send it. He's like, we don't have an office for you to drop stuff off at. And they're like, no, but I really want to come in and see you. And he's like, well, there's other accounting firms later. And that's that's, that's smart. That's how it works. That's, and called that's smart. And that's fine for those other. It's not like you know, like we we're saying, no judgment. Do you do what makes you feel comfortable and happy? But but it's kind of like that's part of his filter. He's just like, I don't. I don't work with jewelry companies, right? And I don't uh, <laughs> just creative that's a, that's digital design. Inside, that's kind of an inside joke, an old yeah. story. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, and also, you gotta you gotta be able to work with a scanner and send the stuff through a portal, and yeah. that's that's how it works. Well, so, let's, so it's okay. the same kind of thing. Yeah. So, Marcus, let's all right. So, for our listeners, let's get some some instruction for you. So, yeah. Okay, we got the business philosophy. Part and that makes sense. Okay, so now we're we're talking to accounting firm owners. So some of them, a lot of our listeners are pretty digital people, and they really got a lot of this stuff. But where do you start to to produce this content that forces you to learn about your customer? Do do you start practicing video? Like what what do you do to really start caring about your customer through the way you deliver and create content? What do you? What's the first thing you would say do if they're new to it? Yeah, so if you are new to this, the first thing you have to do is, as an organization, you, you really do have to say, do we want to become the voice of trust within our industry, or at least one of them? And in most industries, there's not. If you go to most people and say, you know, who's the WebMD of the accounting world? Yeah. Most people don't have an answer, yeah. right? Yeah. You go to most parents and say, your child's sick, where do you go? They say WebMD, mm-hmm. right? Who's the WebMD of the accounting space? Not many exist. Okay. There's very, very few. There's plenty of room on top. Let me tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. And so once you establish as an organization, yes, we want to be the trusted voice. And yes, we're willing to teach and we're willing to listen to their questions. Nice. Then the content strategy has two, I would say, major parts to it. There's the who and then there's the what. So the who is who owns this. And the reason why most firms fail when it comes to producing content that drives what we're talking about here, becoming that most trusted voice in your space is because nobody owns it. Like, can you imagine if nobody owned payroll in your organization? Mm. Can you imagine if on Fridays you said so to somebody, it'd be, it'd be really great if we could get payroll done today, but if, if, if we don't have time, let's make sure we knock that out on Monday. Like, <laughs> right. This literally is, this is the mindset that a lot of people have towards Content production. Content yeah. production has to be a religion. And so somebody's oh, got to own on. it. Yeah, somebody's got to own it. And um, generally, we call that person a content manager. And mm. so typically... With- you, need to, you need to sacrifice humans... To to it, so yeah, it's it's a religion. The uh, it's, well, it's just something like you don't you don't sit there and say, well, maybe it's like no, it's just what we're going to do. It's what right. we're going to do. Right. It's, right. it's like um, we have some stunning case studies. The book has a bunch in there, and um, there's so many others. And I'm happy to say that there's been no other content strategy in the world that has generated so many people becoming the most trafficked website and source within Mm. their industry. Mm. Uh, Yale Appliances in the book, they're getting a million visitors a month to their website right now. Mm. River Pools, of course, my company, Mm. probably get about a million visitors a month to the website this summer. Mm. There's so many other industries where they're just, it's mind boggling what happens to the traffic leads and ultimately the sales. But it starts with somebody owning it, that you don't try to have, you know, three people on site own 33% of this. Because 
you know, that doesn't work. Or if the individual also is wearing 27 other hats, yeah. then they're not going to do it well. And you say, well, how does this full time? Because the most effective companies that do this produce at least at least three pieces of content a week. And I'm talking about like mm. a thousand word uh, articles that are oh. really doing a deep dive into yeah. a particular question. Meat okay. and potatoes, not fluff, not light. I mean, we're mm. talking about really, really teaching well. Wow. And it generally starts with text and ultimately moves to video. So that's number one. You got to have the who. Okay. Mm, the greatest stuff. companies have a content manager uh, who is oftentimes, let's say, a recent journalist graduate, mm. somebody that can write, somebody that can edit, somebody that can interview. Because it's not this person's job to become a subject matter expert. It's their ah. job to meet with your team, your existing subject matter experts, and get the IP that's in their head and get it up on the screen. Nice. So the mistake that a lot of companies make is they try to convert their people into Victor oh. Hugo. That ain't going to happen. Right, your right. people are not going to be good writers. Get a writer to be a good writer, and have that person interview your people. But don't try to to force feed the writing because that's like pulling teeth. I would make it required though that your subject matter experts have to meet with that content manager, ah. maybe thirty minutes a month or whatever that right fit is for your organization. Yeah, because everybody should be engaged in this now. That's cool. Yep. Now that's that's the that's the who. The what though comes back to the great mistake that you see with most content strategies, and the fact that most companies are producing fluffy content mm. that no salesperson has ever been asked before. And <laughs> right. here's the quickest litmus test that you can have for good content. And I just you know generally when people say, "Hey, Marcus, could you check out my blog or could you check out my content?" I look at it and I'm like. Oh, this is a disaster. <laughs> the way that you know it's a disaster, it's the easiest litmus test in the world. And that is, could I look at every piece of content that you've produced on your site, let's say your learning center, your blog, whatever you want to call it, but let's call it a learning center because that's a better phrase. And could your sales team immediately integrate that piece of content into their sales process because of the fact mm. that they're consistently getting the question, right? Mm. So. Yeah. For example, your sales team is consistently getting the question, how much does this cost? Yeah. Your sales team is consistently getting the question, so how do you compare to your competitors, right? Your sales team is you know, consistently um, hearing about reviews of your company versus other companies, right? Your sales team is consistently asked, so why should I, let's say, outsource this versus insource this? Um, what makes you any different than anybody else? There's all types of major questions that buyers yeah. are asking. If your sales team couldn't use the content in the sales process, then it is not probably worth your time. Right so, what, so what a lot of people are doing, accountants or whoever, are, are putting stuff on a blog because they went to a marketing class and they said, you got to blog more. And so they're like, they blog more, right? It's yeah. like, you that, can deduct mileage, number one. Number two, deduct your home office. Right. So they get this fluffy content you can get from anywhere yes. and they're not teaching like you, you keep saying yes. teaching and learning, which takes that takes a lot of time man, to sit down and teach people and write about the things, you know. So this is a commitment of time. Really, this is a commitment of your calendar. And people are going to say, where am I going to get time to devote to this? Yeah, I always chuckle about that one. Right. <laughs> you know, because when I was getting ready to lose my business in the crash of 2008. 
Um, you found that's time. what that's what drove me to this philosophy of they ask you answer right. Mm. And for uh, two straight years, almost every single night, I would sit there at my kitchen table, typing, um, from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. One article or trying to produce one video a day for two years. And I did that because I didn't have a choice. I stopped watching TV. Mm. I stopped sleeping eight hours a night. And mm. I moved to six. Yeah. And that's because I was going to lose my business. I was going to lose my home. My business yep. partners going to lose their homes. Yep. I didn't feel sorry for myself. Right. And I also don't feel sorry for people that come to me crying the blue saying, I just don't have the time. I'm like, no, no, no. You just don't have enough pain, child. Because if you had enough pain, all of a sudden you're going to find the time. That's just how it works, right? People say, man, Marcus, you're so busy. And before COVID, I was spending 200 hours a year on the Chesapeake Bay fishing with my son, even though I was spending 120 nights a year in hotels. How does that work? works because I value the time that I have with my son on the Chesapeake Bay. We fish. That's what we do, right? I have three daughters. They don't fish. I value time with them differently, but I give them time as well. The point is, I value the thing. And so when you, when you start this process and you see companies take off with they ask you answer, they laugh about things like time a year into it. They laugh about things like, I can't believe I was sitting here debating, should I hire this content manager? Would, they have, would we be able to keep them busy? Mm. Because they see what's happened with the brand, with the nice. traffic, with the leads, with the sales. But again, this is the major mistake and I got to hit this. The content strategy is fundamental that you, you focus on those, what we call big five in the book. And the big mm-hmm. five are the subjects that every buyer wants to know about, that we all research, that we all make buying decisions based upon, but yet most businesses don't like to talk about these five things. Whether you're B2B, B2C, B2G, service product, local, national, these five things run your marketplace in terms of the way people research. Number one is they want to know everything to do with how much does it cost, rates, prices, all those things. They want to know what are the problems, the negatives, the issues. That's number two. Okay, number three, they want to know how does that thing compare to that other thing that they're also looking at. Now, that could be your company versus another company, your methodology versus another methodology, right? Your widget versus another widget. I mean, it just goes on and on. Number four, they want to know what everybody's saying about it, i.e. reviews. Number five, they want to know what the best it is, right? So best accounting firms in your town, for example. Many people have researched that before. Or best accounting firms for, Mm. and this could be a specific type of for restaurants is another example, right? Right. And these are the way people think when they search online. These are the questions that we could be asking. You don't have to teach people to be an accountant. You have to teach them how to choose an accountant. Mm. And this is based on the questions they're already asking your sales team. That's yeah, Greg? good stuff. What, what if so? So the whole idea of best, you know, the best in class idea. What if you know you're not the best? I mean, you, you're striving to be the best, but you're not on any list. You you're, I mean, and even like because a lot of the a lot of the firms that work with us with Thrival, it's. I mean, we talk about it, we call them cliff jumpers. They're people who worked for a firm for a while and they're like, going, I'd, I'd rather go out and do my own thing." So they're brand new and they know that there's nobody in the world, including themselves, who would consider them the best in the market. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, so just, just what's, avoid what's, that. Avoid, uh, do the other four for a while and then get back to this. No, bro. I'll go at it right away. <laughs> yeah. Because they're asking, right. the, the marketplace wants to know. So, uh-huh. so what, there is power in being the one that's willing to address the question. Yeah. And what, 
a lot of people don't understand is it's not even always that you answer the question. It's just that you're willing to hold the conversation in your house, on your site, and right? Own it on your and site, yeah. That's right. That conversation. So you see this with like financial advisors too. Financial advisors screw this up all the time. They say, well, because of compliance and regulations, we can't answer that question. That's BS. You can address the question all day long and you can talk about it. And you can talk about why you can't specifically answer it. Uh-huh. But you can address it. Okay. And that's why there's always a workaround. So I might say, uh, let's say, Greg, I'm a cliff jumper, right? And I just started my own firm. And I'm like, people come to me all the time. And they say, Marcus, you've been in the accounting world for 20 years. Tell me, who are the best firms that you know of in Wichita, Kansas? Okay, uh-huh. great. So here's five firms that I've seen over the course of my 20 years that have a very solid reputation. And then at the end of the post, I would say, now, hopefully this gives you a great sense as to who I like. Now, obviously, this is a service that we offer as, as well at our accounting firm. If you're looking for incredibly individualized service and you want somebody that's been in the game for 20 years, that's going to take care of you like it was their own hmm. accounting, well, then contact us today. And so now, I've, I haven't tried to say that I can compete with some of these other firms, I just held the conversation on my court and that yeah. gives me the power. Yeah. Huh. Now what That's about cool. now so even so Greg, a counter to yours to these new cliff jumpers, but what about yeah, the twenty year, the thirty year vet, you know, veterans of 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 running a firm, really? And, you know, probably in that at that stage they're running them like they did twenty years ago, probably. They're not breaking a lot of the molds they should be. What do, what do they do? They, they like are the best. Like they're, these people are brilliant. They actually love their clients. They care about the work. They know this stuff backwards and forwards. So do they just start saying, actually, we are the best. We have been doing this forever and we are just really good at it. Is that how you, cl- do you claim best on your site? Hmm. So can you claim best on your site? Because Again, folks, people are researching best, so it's very important that you are willing to talk about it. And best, uh, best-based questions are plentiful in every industry. So, for example, let's say you sell fiberglass pools. Yeah. There's so many best-based questions. There could be, who is the who are the best in-ground pool installers in Richmond, Virginia? Okay. Yeah. Then it could be, who are the best fiberglass pool installers mm. in Richmond, Virginia? Then it could be, what is the best swimming pool shape and size for my backyard? Then it could be, who are the best fiberglass pool manufacturers, different uh-huh. than installers, right? Yeah. So okay. now all of a sudden, I've given you five different best-based questions that are all very buyer-based. Anybody ask those questions, they're a buyer. Right? They're not a fluffer. They're not right. somebody that's looking at a Walmart pool. They are serious about buying an in ground swimming pool. Right? I and so all that. those questions I can address. Now, could I put myself on some of them? Yes, I could if I wanted to. You just don't want to come across as a schmuck. I can tell you right now <laughs> if you search um, best in ground pool builders, Richmond, Virginia, which is one of our major areas, the piece of content that we wrote on this. Is going to show up in search, um, probably anywhere in the U.S. It's going to show up in search. Mm. We're going to be probably one or two in search results, and we don't have ourselves on that list. But if you read it, you quickly realize these guys are the experts. Well, that's and so- the fact that they're willing to make a right. list 
right. did not put themselves on the list, but it's assumed because of the way we communicate it out. Yeah. And people all the time say to me, but Marcus, aren't you afraid you've now introduced them to competition? Uh, no, because people aren't dumb. And if they want to find my competitors, oh. they're going to find them in seconds. And so why do I not want to have the conversation? I <laughs> right. have the data and the analytics to track the revenue each piece of content has produced since day one of the Ask You Answer. And I can tell you that one that is Best Pool Builders Rich in Virginia has done well over a million dollars in revenue at this point. Come on. That's um, freaking, I'll, that's freaking I'll roll those dice. Yeah. Well, and I love I love something that you said on your site. You said relying on customer ignorance is not a viable business strategy. And I love that. Right. No longer is. Yeah, because the customers you want aren't probably the dum dums who you like bamboozled into you know getting a pool. Yeah, they're right. the, or the uninformed. You know, and, it's yeah. it's 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 um it's There's not 1995 be... anymore, gang. Well, <laughs> it's a uh, glorious year, year I graduated high school, by the way. Um, it's 2020. And the moment we start treating buyers as intelligent human beings, it opens up this magical set of opportunities that we have to teach and communicate and therefore entrust at a level that no one else in the marketplace, certainly our competitors, cannot or will not do. And it opens up the conversation to build trust, right? If and that's all comes back to every time, Jason. Yeah. So it's, okay, it always comes back to, but yes, but is it going to help us to become a more trusted voice? Well, okay. yes. Okay. Well, then we we can stop debating now. <laughs> yeah, we that's what stop. we're going to do. Okay. Well, with that, we got to close the podcast because Marcus has he's got fishing to do, pools to install, books. There you go. I mean. You probably got a million more podcasts. I ain't got no speeches to give right now. That's for sure. <laughs> Freak me. That's a good point. That sucks, man. Okay, so people just go to Amazon and get your book. They ask, you answer. Is that yeah. where? Is that the best way? And they can go yeah. to your. Tell them your website. Uh, they, um, they ask, you answer. Um, if you got a question for me personally, just email me, Marcus at MarcusSheridan dot com. Marcus at MarcusSheridan dot com. Um, I will. I will answer it. And um, I've got another book uh, called The Visual Sale, which is all about uh, embracing a culture of video uh, mm. within your organization. It's coming out in September. It's called The Visual Sale. So look for that here soon. Come yeah, um, they ask you answer. It is, nice. um, it's selling more today than it did three and a half years ago when it came out. It's oh, I bet. how it's turned into a movie. Cool. So okay. yeah. Very nice. Cool. And last last question for you before we let you go. Um, you got where uh, your haircut? Is that is that a is that is that home? Is, is that, that Clippers? That's is illegal. That, is that a black my, market? I've been cutting my own hair for twenty years. Okay? <laughs> me, me too. I Look for at one one year. Yeah, yeah. Greg, yours. Uh, yeah. You went. You gone to classic cuts. I can see that. <laughs> So, so I paid for at least one year of, of uh, tuition for my kids' college just by cutting my own hair. <laughs> there you go, okay. right on. Well, thanks, man. Marcus, we, thanks. You, you've been wonderful. What a great treat to have you on yeah, here. Thank fun. you so much for taking some time out of your your schedule. Uh, I guess we were just saying maybe not what? busy. He, but he, yeah, he, you're he, for not quarantine. A, yeah, there you go. He's quarantine on the us. farm, man. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, that was awesome. Marcus. You're welcome. Take care. We want to thank our newest sponsor, Receipt Bank. Before implementing Receipt Bank within our own firm, team members often did bookkeeping their own way because processes weren't standardized. As a 100% virtual firm, it's critical for us to maximize efficiency, especially in data collection. Receipt Bank gives our clients a user-friendly, simple, and intuitive way of sending us paperwork and has become the gateway product for all digital files within our firm. 
Learn more about Receipt Bank and how we took Blummer CPAs virtual at receipt-bank.com. That was, that was amazing. That was so good. Yeah, Marcus is, we love guests that are just de- down to earth. Yeah. And, I mean, he is a no-nonsense kind of guy, yeah. which well, is so enjoyable. And it's cool. The dude has stuff to say. Oh, he, and, yeah. He, it's, he learned it all for real. Like, it, yeah, he, he yeah. didn't just write a book. He learned it, and then he wrote a book about what he already right, knew. Right. And and it's pre- I, th- I think he applies all that stuff to this because I think there's a lot of people that would be like, you got you to gotta blog about your pricing, and people are like, nope unsubscribe and that's <laughs> yeah. it. you know same kind of thing it's polarizing and it's you know it's it's uh, and it like like we're talking about is vulnerable and that's why that's partly why it's vulnerable or, or yeah. yeah it's it's polarizing which i think makes it more vulnerable because right. people might hate you right so you're vulnerable to write in a polarizing way right? <laughs> exactly so get, get that book they ask you answer and he really had some down-to-earth stuff to say about how we can move into this you know content production which he doesn't like that phrase and i like right. how he explained why yeah. he doesn't like it it really yeah. is a philosophy of how we do our work to care right. for people we're serving right well and it comes down to the bottom line the whole reason you do it is to get is to convert uh, prospects into clients and that's that's a pretty integral to someone's business so really this stuff needs to be integral to your business. anyways so so good good stuff um and he even gave marcus at marcus com. you can email him if you I know. have a follow-up question that's how bored he is in the in the era of covid he's like please someone talk to me i'm tired of fishing with my children what about <laughs> What about you, Jason? How can people get a hold of you if they're just follow me on Twitter, which I guess maybe I shouldn't be on Twitter. Marcus said don't be on Twitter. No, he didn't. No, he said he's no. not. So you yeah. can find me on Twitter at Jason M. Blummer. Right. And the funny thing is he said that in the secret stash portion right. oh, that yes. no one heard. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You'll hear it in December. In December. But you should listen to that because I loved his answer because we're asking all of our guests this year, what's a what's a big mistake you made that you learned a lot oh, from? His answer was awesome. I wasn't expecting that. And it was very uh, it was it was very unique, but also I think informative and stuff we can look at. Um nobody wants to get a hold of me, but if if in chance <laughs> yeah, I think you if 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 by chance you're low too, you can email me at Marcus Sheraton at gregkite.com. <laughs> really anything at gregkite.com. Bring it on into my inbox. Come on. It'll you work. Can, you can email Jason Blummer at gregkite.com. <laughs> It'll come to me That's and so I won't funny. forward it. So okay. do that. That'll well, be fun. And thank you everybody for joining us for another podcast. We're entering our 10th year in our podcast, mm-hmm. Greg. And yep. This is phenomenal. It's so fun. And, uh, and we got incubator stuff. We got Facebook live stuff, That's anything, right. any questions we got, we got discounts for joining the thrival community. That's right. Any questions you got like that, uh, send an, uh, a, a, an email to info at thrival.com, or you can also send an email to info thrival.com at gregkite.com and you'll and forward that will it. not get that no i will not and that oh. will not get where you're going i will answer the question probably incorrectly okay. so so just shoot it to info at thrival.com yeah, and probably have our editor just take that part out okay <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you everybody bye-bye